Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This week we are reviewing Breaker by Richard Thomas. This is Richard's third review, I think, right? We've reviewed, herni- uh, not herniated roots, what's that other, Staring into the Abyss? Yes, Staring into the Abyss, Breaker. And disintegration. And disintegration. Um, we also did, let's see, The New Black, right. which he was involved with. And uh, I think that might be it. That might be. Uh, I know we did been in some other burnt tongues. Oh, burnt tongues. Yes, burnt tongues. Yeah. I forgot about that. So those he was heavily involved with as an editor, and then I don't know a dozen anthologies that he's been in, including the booked anthology. <laughs> yeah. So Richard Thomas, um, you are achieving David James Keaton levels of of uh, of review here on the podcast. I guess what we're trying to say is this this might be the last one. Just yeah, we're like, done. We're done. Yeah, with we're done. Tongues, so. <laughs> Um, here is a quick bit about the author. Richard Thomas is the author of seven books, three novels, Disintegration, Breaker, and Transubstantiate. Oh, shit, Rob. Yeah. The Soul Standard. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to have to do the Soul Standard, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, we're going to have to. Well, there's no choice. We're doing that one. Right. So, um, Tribulations, Staring into the Abyss, and Herniated Roots, as well as one novella of the Soul Standard. With over 100 stories published, his credits include, and this is actually, I, this is impressive, Cemetery Dance. Cemetery Dance has been a big deal since I was a kid. Yeah. Pank, Gargoyle, Weird Fiction Review, Midwestern Gothic, Arcadia, Qualia, Nuos, Nuos. Um, I, I should have had you do this. Ch- Chiral Mad? Is that sure. how you said? Why not? Chiral Mad 2 and 3, Gutted and Shiver 6. He is also the editor of four anthologies, Exigencies in the New Black, and Burnt Tongues with Chuck Palahniuk. In his spare time, he's a columnist at Lit Reactor and editor-in-chief at Dark House Press. He has taught at Lit Reactor, the University of Iowa, Story Studio Chicago, and in Transylvania. Rob, is there anything missing from this bio that you would think should have been in here? Uh, no, we left in everything that was important. Yeah, I did cut through. I cut through a lot of like the naming of, you know, disintegration and where okay. where like the publisher. But gotcha. so I did. I did a big chop job on. Did you cut out the, the book bio? anthology? Because it's not like you to do that. Um, no, Richard decided to omit. Oh, all right. The okay. book anthology well, from there's, there's there's half a star. His. So I I got him back. I took something out of his too. So. All right, good. Um, do you want to tell folks about the book? <laughs> Just give me a fucking second to get there, man. Livius is really excited to talk about this story. I'm excited to talk about. It. I'm excited to be <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> yeah, we had a week off. That was kind of my fault. Yeah, that's okay. There was. Can we talk about why you had a week off, though? What, what the the issue was? What what the the pressing matter? Because I think it's worthy of discussion. <laughs> uh, an obsession. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you a question: How many times did you drive to Indiana this week? Four. Four times. Now, how long does it take you to get to the destination in Indiana? Uh, a little over an hour. Okay. When you got there, what exactly were you able to procure each time you went? One bottle of beer. Okay. So for those of you out there who are questioning if maybe you have a drinking problem, I want you to ask yourself this. Have you ever driven an hour and a half to get a bottle of beer and then done it on four consecutive nights? Actually, you know what? The math is wrong. I drove down three times. One time I brought Ryan the marketing intern so that he could also buy a bottle. Um, I also had a friend who lives nearby, John Gatwood, uh, run out there a couple times to grab bottles as well. So, By the way, I love both of those guys. I know. Did they I, give you any gifts to give me? I keep good company. No, you know what? They didn't. Okay. They did not. <laughs> they did not give me anything. We're going to talk a lot more about Ryan later on. Okay. 
Um, no, all I have is seven bottles of beer to uh, to show for my three trips to Indiana. So the but, two Floyds, two Floyds, two Floyds. <laughs> but um, yeah, we had to basically uh, push an episode a week so that I would have time to drive down to Indiana three days in a row. So I understand because I know that you will be equally as sympathetic if there's ever some like Rick Springfield trading cards or something that yeah. I have to go. So, yeah. So yeah. Cool. And I'm pretty. I would say I'm pretty dedicated to this podcast. There's not a lot of things that would um, keep me keep me away from. I have de- de- denied my bodily urges <laughs> for this podcast. So you mean like like there are times you just wouldn't like go pee so you could do this podcast because we could take a break whenever you want, bro. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> I, I will say that I did notice a correlation that Indiana typically is why we have to push this podcast. Because either you're visiting John Gatwood or you're visiting someone else in Indiana or Three Floyds. Maybe you should fucking move to Indiana. That might save you some some miles. Yeah, I don't know. Um, downtown that, Indiana. Downtown Indiana. No, that's not going to happen. Wow, we're, t- we're, we're just going in all different directions with this. None, none of the directions our listeners understand at all. So maybe I'll talk a little bit about the book. Rob, why don't you go ahead and talk about the book? I tried to get you to do it 10 minutes ago, and you were like, whoa, slow down. (laughs) Pace yourself, buddy. Well, now I I want to. So Um, here's the synopsis for Breaker, which came from Amazon. Living alone in the dusty apartment where he grew up, Ray Nelson is a mystery to his neighbors and an unbeatable foe to the brutal men he fights in the ring for money. But a life defined by sinister secrets doesn't stop Ray from trying to do the right thing for his dangerously high-flying sister. Or for Natalie, the young girl living next door. As a sadistic murderer's ominous white van trolls for young victims throughout the Windy City, Ray is determined to protect Natalie from both predators and a bleak future. When she sees a bruised and beaten Ray return from late-night fights, Natalie spots a kindred spirit. Still, she cannot imagine the darkness just beneath, or what's hidden in the rooms he calls home. Now, as the horrors of his past creep back to life with a twisted vengeance, Ray may not even be able to save himself. I think to start, we need to um, to confirm for listeners or, or people who, um, who read um, Disintegration that this clearly takes place in the same world. It takes place in the same world, in the same city, at roughly the same time um, that Disintegration does. Yep, 100%. Mm-hmm. But if anybody thought that this was a continuation of the story from Disintegration, it contains entirely different characters, so there's uh, really no correlation between the two stories. They're independent books. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned that, because I think the way I said it may have made it sound like you need to read Disintegration. And you did, yeah. It's it's definitely a standalone, no, without a doubt. So there's very little crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, all takes place on the mean streets of Chicago, um, much like Disintegration did. Now, Rob and I um, both have lived in Chicago at some point in our lives, so um, some of that was familiar. It's familiar to you too, Rob. Um, familiar enough where there were certain scenes where I'm like, if hey, if he went six blocks that way, this is what he'd be seeing, not that. There's a liquor store that sells beer, but you have to wait in line and get a ticket. I know exactly where that is. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because, (laughs) all right, I'm going to take you, uh, Livius, who read the book, 
to a particular scene um, where Ray goes to visit his sister where she works. Yes, I know. Yep. And then afterwards, he goes to visit her at home, which is like six blocks east of her her work. Yes. I did the rough math on that, mm-hmm. and that's probably two blocks away from um, a liquor store that I went to all the time when I lived in the city. There you that go. This was awesome. Yep. So. And it is it is nice in a book like, you know, what, the setting plays a big part in this book. I, I, and I think that's what Richard was going for was kind of a Chicago feel. Um, and, and, you know, like I read about New York and I have this preconceived notion of New York, but I've never been. So it's really kind of nice when you're when you're familiar, when you get the feeling that the author is trying to give you by setting it in a certain place, by having been either visited or lived in that area. Sure. Yeah, totally. All right. Um, we are um, initially introduced in this book to um, to, to Ray, um, who is <sighs> Ray's a really big, really intimidating um, looking person. Um, and and I, I don't know, I think a little bit in the bio, it leads you to believe that he's kind of, you know, mysterious. And, and, and he's not mysterious to you. I think right away we're inside Ray's head. Ray is a guy who knows that he is um, a little abnormal because of his size. He had a very bizarre childhood um, growing up, which is revealed throughout the course of the book. But he's not this, um, I got the feeling this was going to be kind of like, a, what the hell is that, that book that they make you read in? High school, the one with George and the 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 big his buddy. What the hell is his name? Oh, is it of mice and men? Yes, yeah. yeah. You know, like I, I kind of pictured Lenny, like Lenny, the gentle giant kind of thing, right? Like, but like he'll break like a rabbit's <laughs> neck because he doesn't know any better. You know, I mean, like that type of. And he's definitely not that guy. Ray is a intelligent um, and and fairly insightful person, but he is perceived by those around him because he's quiet and he's like this lumbering, you know, behemoth of a man. Um, you know, maybe he's perceived a little like Lenny or someone who's always very dangerous. And um, Ray is not. Ray kind of minds his own business. Um, and as mentioned in the bio, you know, he kind of takes a a liking to, you know, not in a weird way, but a, an affection for, for the neighbor girl who, you know, is, you know, at one point fairly early on in the book is being accosted by some high school age guys who are, you know, basically... You know, kind of gonna. I don't know if they're gonna rape her, but they're gonna they're gonna do some some improper stuff. A little to rapey. Her. A little rape. I don't know that it was going on for full rape. I think it was kind of that. You know, we're right. gonna the you bad know, get, get your goods. Yeah, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> you know, and, and he um, partially because I think because of his his um, his history and like how he grew up and stuff. You know, feels instantly protective and kind of bounces on these kids and scares the shit out of them. You're talking about Lenny. I'm, I'm. Have you? Did I ever make you watch those Professor Brothers videos, or talk tell you about them? Um, it this does not sound familiar. Uh, there's just these like cartoons of these two guys who are brothers and they're professors at a college, and it's just weird shit. But um, one of the episodes is called the TA interview. I might cut in the audio because it's fucking hilarious. But basically, like um, these professors are are um interviewing a, a teacher's assistant and um they they throw they're throwing weird questions and and shit at the kid and he starts out <laughs> with he uh he's like lenny wants to pet your little bunnies and he goes into this scenario where 
Uh, Lenny gets all crazy mad and kills the bunnies because he doesn't know how strong he is, and it's just fucking hilarious. So that's that, what I thought uh, Yeah, there you go. Gabe, real situation. Lenny wants to pet your little bunnies, and he gets all crazy about it, and he just starts petting their little heads in. He doesn't know how strong he is, and you try to talk some sense into him, but he doesn't like it, and he gets crazy mad. What do you do, little dog? More tea, Crystal. True story, I woke up vibrating one day. Turns out I was in a sharper image. Turns out I had a heart on. Turns out no one cared. We all have to overcome shit, Gabe. There but isn't go. that like the impression you kind of thought you were going to have of Ray? <laughs> I mean, well, all right, so since we're talking about our impressions of Ray, after reading the kind of broader description of his physical appearance, I immediately thought of, and I can't believe you didn't, because Livius and I talked about this beforehand. Um, for anybody who's seen the TV show Banshee, at some point uh, they flashback kind of to when the main character was in jail, and um, is becoming bitchified by this massive like albino guy, right? Bitchified. Like he's becoming that guy. Well, yes, the idea yes, is he's going to yeah, be that guy's yep. bitch. Mm -hmm. And this guy's like super tall incredibly muscular but he's like an albino mm -hmm. and in in this book ray is a big muscular dude with white hair um yep. who wears dark clothes a lot and stuff like that so i immediately thought of the prison rapist albino from banshee yeah it made sense after you said it but yeah up until then no i had not i had not uh i had not thought of it. by the way if you haven't seen banshee i know we're, we're getting off the subject a little bit <laughs> fucking <laughs> Can I say, so we had this discussion about George R. R. Martin. I know it's going to come up later. <laughs> and and I may have been a little a little wrong in, in, in how I scolded you because it just came out that Banshee, the final season of Banshee, is being postponed for two months. <laughs> and it fucking ruined my day and I broke shit when I heard it. Like, that's how fucking angry I was. And it not being oh, ready no. next week when it's supposed to be ready or like 12 <laughs> dates from now or whatever. You irrational bitch. Um so go watch Banshee, but uh, as far as this story goes, yeah, Livia's is right. It starts out, it really establishes this um, neighborly connection between Ray and Natalie um, right off the bat. But, uh, you know, there's a bit of an establishment of what Ray's life is like, which is basically he lives in this apartment by himself, but it's where he grew up with his family. Probably talk a little bit about that later on. Or maybe when we're talking spoilers, we can talk spoilers about this book. I think that there's some some spoiler worthy talk, so I believe that's going to happen. Amazing, um, but then we get to see how he sometimes makes money, which is uh, kind of like this. I guess, and he's this character's described that like he doesn't have a lot of contact with people, and he got this kind of like rage that boils to the surface every now and then, kind of and. Um, the way he works off this aggression or anger or whatever it happens to be is he takes the train out to some crazy warehouse in the, like, near suburbs of Chicago where there's, I guess, it's kind of like anything goes bare-knuckle boxing is the best way I could describe it. Does that sound right? Yep. Like yeah, Brad, I, I would Brad Pitt and Snatch? Um, I was thinking, like, blood sport. Oh, but I don't. I don't know if I saw Snatch. <laughs> Are you taking so. it back to Jean Claude Van Damme? Well, I don't know because I. I don't know. Snatch sounds like a very different kind of movie to me. <laughs> That's no. It's 
You haven't seen Snatch, seriously? I don't. I don't think I've seen Snatch. I, I'm sure you've seen plenty of Snatch, but like, wow. There's well, there's a scene where they're um, uh, Brad Pitt. Do you know anything about the movie, or do I have to explain Snatch to you? Um, I'm here. Okay, I'm gonna take a guess that there's a heist involved. <laughs> there, well, in a way, kind of. Okay. But Brad Pitt is a uh, what do they call them? Pikey pikers? I don't know. But um, in 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 England, kind of like gypsies so hmm. it's like he's a he's part of this group of people who kind of go from place to place and they're kind of rip off artists and thieves and stuff like that but they're known for being really tough and brad pitt is a is a bare knuckle boxer wait wait is this the one where he befriends ed norton and they go on crazy <laughs> adventures together because i've seen that one Oh man, I just did a literal spit take over here. <laughs> I can't. All right, so <laughs> I'm done trying to explain things to you. <laughs> he befriends Ed Norton. Can you please write a synopsis for <laughs> Fight Club in which Brad Pitt <laughs> befriends Edward Norton? So you've seen those going around, right? The like rewritten synopses for yeah, movies. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Maybe I'll have to sit down and and do that. Um, but hold on before you say anything else about this movie, I just get the feeling, I don't know if I've seen it, but is that one like big bald British guy that always plays like the British gangster in that one too? Uh, old or young? Uh, yeah, in middle age. I mean, he's maybe like 40 ish. Is that middle age? Fuck. I just called myself middle age. <laughs> Why are we even talking about Shit. this? Wait, did you just understand the pointlessness of life? Oh my God. Mid, mid episode. <sighs> Fucking middle age now. Yeah, I just spit takes. I can't think of what that guy's fucking name is. Now i got to look up Snatch on the internet. <laughs> but when I say who he is, you'll know exactly why I think that he might be in that movie. Because he's in all those fucking movies. Like those Guy Ritchie movies. Mm-hmm. Yep, there he is right on the fucking cover of the movie. <laughs> you know his, his name? name is. Um, hold on, i got to scroll down. To, Wait, are you talking about... Uh, Vinny Jason's? Jones? Oh, Vinny Jones, yeah. Yeah, Vinny Jones. Yeah, plays Bullet Tooth Tony. Yeah, that fucking guy is in every fucking movie that starts with... British and crime. <laughs> he is. He is. It's all of them. You know, he used to be a soccer player. I did not know that. Yeah, like, Vinnie Jones used to play soccer. There's actually a, a famous picture of him as a soccer player where he actually is picking up one of his opponents by his testicles off the ground. Now, just because I'm, you know, my heritage is Eastern European, I can assure you that's not how you play soccer. <laughs> there's, not, there's nothing I mean, in soccer that that causes that to happen i mean I, I i don't think anybody oh here it is i think i found it well he's just grabbing his nuts really anyway <laughs> maybe that's a different we're way off track but <laughs> you sure it's not from a movie where he plays a soccer player that's involved in a heist <laughs> no that's the movie where brad pitt befriends <laughs> yeah, norton. norton um Bare knuckle boxing. That's how we got there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of what he does, and that's how Ray makes money. Is you can tell when we haven't talked for a while. Yeah, <laughs> shit is just completely yeah, insane. And we even had like twenty minutes before we started recording to get this shit out of the way, mm-hmm. and it's just not happening. So um, Ray does this kind of suburban fight club kind of thing, uh, and that's how he earns money. And he's kind of the 
I don't know, like the, the house favorite. Like everybody knows he just destroys people, but he still makes a lot of money boxing or something like that. Yeah, it's not that he's impervious to pain, but later we see that he can withstand more pain than your average um, person as we see one of these fights kind of come to a big kind of climactic end. The yeah. fight, not the book, but yeah. So yeah, there, uh, there, there we have the, uh, the setup. So we learn a little bit about Ray. Now this book is written from Ray's perspective with the exception of mm, eight maybe chapters that the are Nad- told. The Natalie chapters. The Natalie chapters, which are done third person. And that allows for a couple of things. Um, a little bit of insight into Ray that doesn't come from him or his perception of what other people perceive him to be. Um, but also is a little bit to move the story along in certain places where it would be good to get, a, you know, to find out what's going on that Ray doesn't, isn't aware of. Yep. And really, uh, kind of the conflict of the story is years and years ago, and at the beginning of the book there was a kind of a white van predator that was kind of hinted at, and uh, it's obvious this took place way before the story that we're reading. And then now, the main conflict of the story outside of everybody just kind of having their own shitty lives to deal with is that there's kind of a white van predator again, and Natalie... Our female lead, one of her friends, is abducted and killed in a very brutal, sexual way. And so now, Natalie's got a, now Natalie's worried that she's going to become a victim. Uh, Ray finds out about it as well, and he wants to protect her. And so that's kind of a big driving force of the, of the book, is Ray trying to protect Natalie from this predator. Um... And Natalie trying to, you know, kind of grow up a little bit in her tough situation. All right. Also worth mentioning, um, Ray's sister makes um, uh, several appearances. And she is, um, I don't know, what I what I think of as your typical strung out white girl, right? So kind of going from guy to guy, tries to clean herself up, fails miserably, does a bunch of drugs again, ends up with some other loser who abuses her. You know, gets away from that situation, tries to straighten out, and Ray tries to help her at every turn. So Ray makes a significant amount of money um, doing these fights. So he is able financially, and he lives very, you know, you know, within his means. So he is able to help her out financially on occasion, and he, he genuinely cares for her. It's his, it's his last relative, his last, you know, blood relative. So um, their their parents are both uh, are both uh, gone. Um. As is, that was it. It was an older brother that died when they were kids, right? Sids. Yeah, from from he had sud- the Sids. Yeah, infant death syndrome. Um, so this is it. This is all he's got in the world of his family is is Stephanie. So even though he knows she's a fucking loser, she, he tries to as much as he can to to help her out and you know check in on her well being and stuff. Yeah. So that's it. That's uh, that's really the non spoiler stuff we can talk about. Um. Ray's trying to like, uh, Ray's trying to raise the protector of Natalie, but also kind of the benefactor of his sister. And Natalie's just kind of, Natalie's trying to toughen up. And she's also in a way kind of got the sweet spot for Ray. Ray's kind of one of those people where you see him and you, the first thing you do is shut your door or, uh, you know, walk to the other side of the street. But Natalie sees the little nice things that he does. Um, 
in one scene, she's kind of reflecting on why she likes Ray. And she's thinking about the little things that she notices because they're neighbors that he does. Like he's walking down the sidewalk and he sees a bike's lock is unlocked. So he'll lock it so that no one can take the bike. And there are little things he doesn't have to do, but it's, he just it's like him doing the right thing. And those are the things that endears him to her. So she kind of has a vested interest also in in befriending and kind of, you know, making his life nicer too. Yeah, I mean I think I think you said that all uh, all pretty well. Um the only other plot point I think is is that Ray is is um considering moving on from the fighting because that's that's pretty important to the story is that he's he's in that situation and I don't know if they ever really um addressed it but like maybe he doesn't have a choice but to fight like if he just said I'm done the people who actually um own the the underground bare knuckle fight club thing um, might react poorly to that. Yeah. So there's that little bit of thing hanging over his head that he can't just quit. If he quits, he's gotta he's gotta quit and fucking move to Iowa or something. Like yeah. He's gotta he's gotta go away. He can't just be like, I'm done. I'm just gonna live in my apartment, and work at Target with my sister, kind of <laughs> kind of deal. Yeah. He can't walk away. He's got to run away. Kind of. Oh, very nice, Rob. Very yeah. nice. Very eloquently put. Yeah. You know, every now and then I put some words together. They sound good. Yeah. So that covers most of the characters. We should mention. Um, Edson, who is... Um, I think his first name is Commonwealth. It could be. <laughs> Mr. Edson. <laughs> um, who is... Um, I don't know. You know, in our notes, we kind of listed as a trainer, but I don't even know if he's a trainer so much as the the guy who is uh, tasked with making sure Ray gets to where Ray needs to be. Like like the kind of like the go-between. Yeah, the hand, yeah, his handler, I think, would probably be a better way to put that. Um, and, you know, Edson is on the line, too, because he has to if he doesn't produce Ray, then there's no fight and there's no money to be made. So Edson's kind of under that same pressure to perform or um, go away. But, you know, Edson, even at one point, basically, you know, I think is is resolved to the fact that there's no going away for him. If he, you know, he's pretty much going to die doing this, either that he just dies, you know, of old age doing it or he stops and they kill him. Yeah. Yeah, so sunshiny stuff. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a very heartwarming book. Yeah, it's a feel good, <laughs> feel good kind of story. Did you ever see My Bodyguard? Mm, you have uh, a bodyguard? Okay. No, no, I don't have a bodyguard. Not yet. <laughs> Say it is. Not, not yet. <laughs> um, uh, it, it was a movie from the eighties, and God, I can't remember what the guy's name was, but yeah, that was that was kind of like a feel good movie where the. The, the the dorky kid at school um, pays like the big goofy Ray guy from the school to be yeah. his bodyguard, but they actually become friends and he realizes that the guy is not anywhere near as intimidating as he comes across. He's just kind of introverted and it, it, it reminds me a lot of this book. It doesn't remind <laughs> me of this book. This book is some fucking dark and nasty shit. Yeah. Far darker and far nastier than any of Richard's previous stuff. And, and and I think I've pretty much read everything Richard's done. Um, this has definitely gone down the darkest of fucking alleys. Um, notably different, I guess, for anybody who's read other Richard Thomas stuff, and intentionally notably different. Um, in the absence, or uh, with the exception of the the crime that I mentioned earlier, the murder, no sex. In the book. Yeah, but that's not that sex wasn't mentioned or talked about. 
right. all, it's, all the sex that was was potential rape about to happen. Yeah, <laughs> rape it was, it's that abuse. Happened. It's an yeah. abusive, like, yeah. negative situation. There's no, like, in Disintegration, I know Livius was talking about some spanking scene, which was, like, his favorite book thing he'd ever read. Basically. Um, none of that. None of this, like, man whore, you know, kind of stuff. It was all very, from from the characters, the protagonist and... Natalie, who, I mean, she's like 12, so obviously there's going to be no sex in the Hopefully, God damn, n- nothing there. Um, but the whole the whole book is, and um, can we talk about the kind of epilogue? Did you read that? Or not the epilogue, yes. like the afterword kind of thing? Yeah, so Richard, at the end of the book, after the story concludes, um, does a dedication, and uh, I'll just read it really quick, because um, I didn't read it before the book. It makes sense, having finish the book, but I don't think it spoils anything. Um, This book is dedicated to anybody who's ever been physically, sexually, or emotionally abused. Know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and it doesn't have to be a train. Talk to somebody you trust, get help, do what you have to do to get out, to survive, and know that this isn't your fault. It can get better. So, I think the idea of this book is, like, there are people that are here for you, and um, it does, it only uses sex in as much as, like, there are bad there are bad situations, but um, you can get through it, that kind of thing. Yeah, that was a very nice touch um, at the end of a otherwise very, very, very... Did I mention how very dark a lot of this is? It's bleak, bro. It, it is It is rather bleak in, in that um, I was thinking, um, I don't remember the last time we read a book that was this dark that wasn't... That the point of the book wasn't to be that. So I can go back to some of the like weird, like extreme horror stuff we read. You yeah. know, and go, oh, there was some really fucked up shit there. But the purpose of that was to write fucked up shit, not to include it in a in a, you know, kind of tangible story that people could relate to. Even again, if it's a little I don't know. You know, if there's a little bit of a superhero vibe kind of coming from Ray, maybe a little bit unbelievable in in, you know, in its scope that way, you know, ultimately yeah. this this was, you know, more of a this could happen in your neighborhood kind of story. Right. For, you know, so I say one of the darker things we've read, I, I would say probably go back to like, um, um, Neil Smith's book, the, uh, oh, what the hell was it called? The triple X Seamus. Yeah. I think that was the last time I kind of felt that same kind of queasiness at some of the stuff that was happening in the story. Yep. So, um, all right. Do you want to do, Quotes? You think it's quote time or? Yeah, I think we could do some quotes. I have just a short um, few quotes. First of all, thanks, Richard, for mentioning old Romanian women spitting on the ground. It makes me remember my grandmother. Um, I really like this in that um, I have to imagine. So, and again, I have no inside information on this, but there is um, Natalie has this kind of hobby. Um, and I'm not really going to talk about what, what the hobby is, but this is almost like he knew somebody who miscommunicated this. When she's doing her forensics, as she calls it incorrectly, her taxidermy, which also isn't quite right, she hums to herself sometimes a lullaby. So he could have just named what she was doing, but he gave two basically different names that weren't quite right, which makes it feel like it's a personal thing. Yeah. Like he had a friend that did something similar to this, but didn't really have the right the right name for it. So I really like that. That really stood out to me as a 
And, and, and Richard's probably listening and going, oh, no, I just made that shit up on the spot. So <laughs> He's like, I didn't know what I was. He's like, that was me. I didn't know that was called <laughs> so for a long time. Through Eddie going, wait a minute, that's not <laughs> forensics. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that was edit. That was notes from my editor. (laughs) I just turned it around. Uh, I don't have a lot of quotes from this book. Um, Some of them are. um, I I don't know why, but I'm so nitpicky when it comes to Richard. But um, I found a couple things I'm going to point out. But uh, there's one thing that I thought was really good. Natalie is is kind of since it's third person in the Natalie chapters. It's kind of a reflection of what. Natalie sees with Ray coming and going. And um, I thought this was good. In the morning, she finds dots of red, blood coins left on the wood. So he's like walking up the stairs to his apartment. And he's obviously beat up and scarred and bruised. And she finds the blood coins left on the wood. And I was like, man, you know what? That's a really goddamn good way of saying that. Blood coins. Um, this is Ray reflecting on, um, one of his parents, um, breakups, not, I'm sorry, one of the times his parents kind of split up. If he didn't leave her for another woman, then I suspect he just left because anywhere but here was something better with more hope, less defeat. Yeah. I like that a lot too. All right. Then this next quote, um, all right. I have, this is a very unique situation because we've read a lot of books together and um, I found a perfect opportunity to use a word that is rarely used, but it's such a specific and cool word that Richard didn't use it. And I was like, buddy, what were you thinking? So I'm going to read the quote, then I'll tell you the word and then I'll define the word because you're going to challenge me on it. When the fighting starts, I retreat into myself and regress to a more primitive form of life. That's Ray. And I made a note on this that said, did not take the opportunity to use the word atavistic. Have you heard of the word atavistic? Nope. A-T-A-V-I-S-T-I-C. I'm going to define atavistic for you. Can you use it in a sentence? Well, I'm going to define it for you. Ready for this? Mm-hmm. Relating to or characterized by reversion to something ancient or ancestral. That's wow. like perfectly what the dude just said. That's um. That's yeah. I, I would. I, I looked it up while you were reading, and yeah, that's exactly what it said. <laughs> so yeah, that that would be pretty fitting. <laughs> so the fact that he didn't use it stood out so much that I had to stop and take a note about it. Oh my god! It's the word. Uh, what was uh? What was that? The, the segment we used to do. Word, word snobbed? Word snobbed, yeah. Oh, there's more of that. I got more of that coming. <laughs> okay. Did you want to do that, or did you want me to read this really long passage that I loved? Um, well, leading into the really long passage that you're going to say, I'm going to hit you with this one. Let's just say that it takes a special woman to handle all that I have to offer. That was a quote. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I remember it. So you go into your long passage now. <laughs> nice. I hope that uh, I hope that all the listeners can handle what I have to offer right now. <laughs> so this is um, the end of uh, chapter ten, which is eighteen percent of the way into the book. Um, probably starts like sixteen percent of the way into the book, and this is all about Natalie and I don't know, like a day in the life kind of you know kind of things that go through her head and stuff. 
And then like magic, she appears in her classroom, suddenly alive and full of color and voice. Friends all around her, the boys eager and willing to tease, checking her socks for sure, but still enamored with her. Still hopeful that she'll notice them and say something nice, send a smile their way or maybe a laugh. One boy, Jacob, wears a green and yellow set of plastic bands around his left wrist. Charities he hardly knows, a secret he keeps entirely, entirely to himself. The teacher appears and Natalie is heard. She is seen. She's not, she is not stupid. Not at all. And I really liked how that was written. And um, it, it was probably that whole chapter was probably a bright point in the book where everything else is kind of dismal and dark. That whole chapter was done super, super well. And I, uh, I, I really liked that. And I'm, I'm again, you know, you just guess at things. I am going to guess that for a single chapter that he wrote uh, with minus like maybe the climax or something that he probably spent more time writing this chapter than any other piece that's in here. Think so? It just either that or he's writing the wrong kind of shit altogether and he should focus <laughs> on doing more of this. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. That he's just playing in the wrong sandbox because this whole chapter I thought was brilliant. Yeah, I'll give you that. It was good and it was very well written. So, um, that's really, you know, I have other ones, but all of them are, are really really fucking spoilery because some of it's just really dark shit that happens i don't know that you know all right i I think i think i'm gonna call it i think that's about where i have to cut that off well i'm gonna word cap one more thing so the last word cap i'm gonna do um he's thinking about natalie or the, the the subject is natalie um and i don't think i'm gonna give the setup for this but uh in one line he just says she's a trooper Right? But trooper is spelled T R O U P E R. Not like a trooper, like a T R, right? Am I wrong about this or am I right about this? So I actually saw that and, yeah. and thought to myself that maybe I was thinking of trooper the wrong way. You weren't. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So trooper spelled that way, I looked as an actor or other entertainer. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. unless, unless he was hinting, because this is a lot about her, her personal life. That she, like, was in, like, drama in school. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she was in, like, a drama club or something, which I don't think was the intention. It's the wrong trooper. And somehow that got past all the editing. Well, and like I said, I I saw it and I thought to, like, made a mental note to myself that trooper with the two O's maybe is the wrong way. You know what I mean? Right, right. You you second guess yourself. Yes, yes. Um, But unless unless Richard, and he, he will set us straight, unless Richard was saying... Like that, she's a big like drama nerd. Mm-hmm. That got passed. That's a that's a typo that got past the editing. So, so I actually because I I looked up like so the definition of trooper the second or third result that popped up was somebody that said please 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 write a column on the misuse of trooper for trooper. In my local newspaper this morning, a family member said this about a terminally Ill, terminally ill child. She's a real trooper, spelled T R O O P E R, like yeah. written like. I don't think the young girl is a member of the police force. So then this goes on to explain all the various uses. Like, I mean, this is like a well-written. It says, you know, to many English speakers, a trooper, double O, is a mounted policeman or soldier. In the U.S., a trooper patrols the roads in a police car. And then a trooper, a trouper, let's pronounce it the right way, a trouper, is a <laughs> member of an acting group called the Troup, right? The words troop and troup both enter the English from the same French word. And then it goes on to, to talk about all these French words and... Wait, so is Richard right? Did no. I call it wrong? No, no, you didn't. Okay. All right. You did not. Good. Okay, cool. Um, 
Now, before we go on to our wrap-ups and stuff, uh, Richard, I can't remember where it was, but somewhere recently Richard mentioned um, uh, an Easter egg. Did you pick up on this Easter egg? I completely did not. All right, so Richard tweeted or maybe on Facebook posted something about there being an Easter egg in Breaker for disintegration. Now, should we say what that Easter egg is, or do we let people find it for themselves? Um, I, I, I found know, it. Yeah, oh, I know you did, because you mentioned it before the podcast. Um, I, I don't know. I'll leave it up to you. I kind of like finding Easter eggs, but I did not find this one. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I don't know. Whatever you think. Uh, let's well, let's do it. Let's do this since we're going to do some spoiler talk. Let's just push it off to that. That way, people have to pay to hear where the spoiler is. I mean, where the, where the Easter egg is. Even better. So yes, Perfect. let's do that. Go ahead. Let's um, let's start wrap ups. You can go. Uh, you can go first on this one. Okay. Um. Anybody who who listened to our disintegration in, uh, interview review, um, if we interviewed a book, I guess we can't do that. We, sh- it's not we should fun. do that. It's going to be real boring. We're yeah. going to ask questions. Just going to sit there. Yeah. What's your favorite chapter? Silence. I, um, lo- I love it when <laughs> Rob puts beer on me. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah, it's coffee tonight. When we reviewed Disintegration, I, I didn't have a lot of nice things to say about it. And um, that's not to say I didn't overall enjoy any of it, but I, I gave it a low score. So um, typically, that's a really difficult thing to do to a friend's book. But having integrity and knowing that Richard can take some knocks, we I went ahead and kind of was honest about how I felt about it. And as predicted, Richard took it very well, uh, all things considered. So, um, again, you know, a little hesitant to go back and read another book. Not because I was worried it wasn't going to be good. I was worried that if I didn't like it, I'd have to shit on Richard again. And I don't want to do that because he's a great guy. Um, but I liked this book a lot more than I liked the other one. Um, it's obvious that, so I don't know how the timeline falls. Um, Transubstantiate came out first and then Disintegration. And there was a gap between when, uh, Disintegration and Breaker were written. Breaker was written like a year and a half ago. Um, there's a lot of growth between those two books in, in talent and ability, um, and the story stands up really well. I think that Richard has a lot of, um, a lot of ability to, to craft a tight story. And, um, like Livia was saying, there's the moments in the book, like, uh, the, de- the description of Natalie's day. And it's such a contrast to the, the shitty day-to-day life that they live in, in the main streets of Chicago and all that. He does that stuff really well, and he does put good emotion into a book, and it feels like it comes from a personal place. So there's a lot of that in this story. Um, There are echoes to Disintegration or other Richard Thomas work in general. You've got the the really, really bad anti-hero guy who's got this kind of, um, you know, marshmallowy center... Um, he's really a good person, but bad things have happened. So he does bad things, that kind of thing. Um, there are kind of echoes of the, of, of the type of story that he wrote before in this, and I couldn't help but notice them. And I called out a couple little things here or there, but, um, one of the things that happened when Richard was talking about Breaker was that, um, I think in the process of editing Breaker, 
he took some of my review of Disintegration to heart, and I said that his prose was very, very purple in Disintegration, uh, meaning just really overly descriptive and and just, you know, really wordy and, and elaborate, and that's very much cut down. The writing is much more um, tight and to the point, I think, this time. The story has a great structure, and, um, you know, while I noticed... What's the word I want to use? Um, kind of hints of, oh, this feels like this story, or oh, this you know obviously there was a, an inspiration from from this story, or it's very similar to this story. It's obvious that Richard is a big fan of lots of cinema and and, and other books and stuff like that, and I could feel flavors from them there. Um, this is very much his own story, and um, um, it was definitely uh, definitely more of a story for me than Disintegration was. So I'm gonna go. Three stars. Three and a half stars. Let's go three and a half stars. Three and a half stars it is, sir. Um, yeah, I think that the one thing I want to say, and, and you know, I, I debated about saying this. I said this into a, to a conversation I had with, with somebody recently. After reading this book, they, they kind of asked me what I thought. And the thought I had was, and Richard was, was fairly public about this, so I don't feel... Like I'm saying too much, like this isn't like insider information or anything, but um, I think that Breaker, after reading, so Disintegration, so to go back a little bit, and I think a lot of people know, the Disintegration Richard had written over whatever period of time, but he had it for a long time before we saw it, we being the, the reading community. He wrote Breaker in a fairly short period of time. And, and he was pretty public about it at the time. So I'm not going to go into details. If you want to find out, I'm sure you can hit his, his blog or something and get the information. But what really came through to me is that you can write a good book in a very, very short period of time. So it doesn't take years, um, at least for somebody. Now, he has written a lot. I mean, he's, he's, he's prolific with short stories and, you know, and, and publishing things. So maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe you or I couldn't write a book that's, that's halfway decent in the same amount of time. But it can be done because I look at, this book versus, you know, the other book. And I liked it a lot better. And I think you're right. I think the other one for me was a lot more vignettes and this was more of an overall story. So, um, that being said, I think that the thing that Richard does really well, and again, this take this as, as, uh, as praise and, and maybe a little creative criticism. I was only half kidding when I said, maybe you're in the wrong market because he really writes relationships well. And if you think back to his story and, um, warmed and bound, and I don't remember what it was called, but he writes that hard-hitting little story. There are some really, really good moments here with Ray and Natalie, and it's about the relationship. It's not about the violence. It's not about the dark. It's not about you know anything else. So um, he does that very well, and I think that really came through in this book. Uh, I have the, um, I don't know, I guess the advantage. I like this book more now than when I finished it, which was like a week ago. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we finish a book and it's a day or two until we do the review. So I've had a little bit of time away from it. You know, it's still bouncing around in my head, which is which is a good thing. My attention span for books is um, is short. I read them. I enjoy them. I move on. And then Rob's like, remember, we read that book. It was about this. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds kind of familiar. But what was that like six weeks ago? How am I supposed to remember that? Um, overall, this book got and we didn't talk about it, but it did get fairly complex in its story. Um, and I thought that that was pulled off pretty well. Um, the characters, although I would have liked to like Ray more than I did, um, you know, I don't know. I kind of maybe felt about him like most of the people in the story who weren't Natalie did, you know, as 
want to say I was indifferent to him. I wasn't endeared to him, and maybe that maybe that was on purpose. I I don't know. But overall, it worked pretty well for me. I'm gonna go four stars. Boom, four stars. Yep, that's so Rob has trouble doing the math. Uh, it's a new year. I'm just gonna round everything. <laughs> we're fuck math. <laughs> fuck math. Um, so I think we're gonna step into some spoiler talk right now. Um, anybody who wants to continue listening to our discussion of Breaker with some spoilers, head over to Patreon.com. If you're contributing at the five dollar a month level or more, you can hear what we have to say. Otherwise, and you have to be registered to be a, a awards, right? Like you have to. Oh, you know what? We talked to talk Jesse about, about that, and even mm-hmm. the like, he said he, he can see that stuff, and he didn't have to do anything. So I think that if you're at that level, you just see that. Okay, nice. So, yeah, there was some go. controversy, on, and we looked, and there was like there are people who are not collecting awards. So we yeah. don't know if they're hearing this or not. So, so yeah, if you're at the five bucks or more, Brandon Teets talking to you, buddy. Um, we're gonna talk a little spoiler. Otherwise, you if you're not gonna do that. The next thing you're going to hear is probably us talking about Ryan, the marketing intern. All right. So moving on from Richard Thomas, at least for a couple of months until until the um, soul standard comes out. Rob, the people have spoken. Demands have been made. <laughs> and exactly. now Ryan is going to make an announcement addressing those demands. Here's it's, Ryan. Hmm? It's happening. It's happening. Here is Ryan McRae, the book podcast marketing intern. Hi, this is Ryan McRae, the book podcast's marketing intern. Currently, I'm reading Hyperion, a Hugo Award winner. Also, I'm working on the book The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat by Oliver Sacks. I have to finish that this week. And I'm also reading Deep Work by Cal Newport, and I should have that done this week as well. This week, I am sending out the first newsletter for the booked podcast, and here's what it'll contain. It will contain Livius, Rob, and I in a tiny bathroom in Chicago. That's it. That's the content of the newsletter. No links, no recommendations. That's all. That's all it is. A picture, three men in a bathroom. And that's what you want. That's what the people want. And you can sign up if you're thinking you're going to miss out on this. You can sign up at the book at bookedpodcast.com. The sign up is at the bottom. It should be at the top. Rob, you might want to fix that. But uh, that's you'll not only get the picture, but uh, a copy of the booked podcast anthology in any format where we read books, except uh, paper. It's just digital. So sign up at bookedpodcast.com. It's at the bottom. And you'll get the newsletter this week with a picture of three men in a bathroom. And uh, isn't that what we all want? That's what we all want. So you guys have a great week. And back to the show. Take it away, Robin Livius. Um, okay, so I, I don't know what I was thinking about, but I, are people really demanding that from the n- newsletter? Oh yeah, there's been at least one request. <laughs> was it? Was it your mom? <laughs> it was not my mom. My mom has stopped listening to this podcast. Yeah. Thank God, because if you go back and listen, you could probably about figure out where I know my mother stopped listening. <laughs> So, Thankfully, before the erotic extravaganza spectacular. Yeah, you know what I was thinking? We need to do that again. You, that was a lot is that what you were thinking? Yeah, as I was okay. trying to figure out how to actually remove um, backdooring the brat and then the, the, the follow-up <laughs> that, that you had suggested, which was Maple Street MILFs, off my devices. Like, I had to actually delete them from my Amazon account so they would stop popping up, like, on my phone whenever I open the Kindle app or on my <laughs> tablet whenever I open the Kindle app. And somehow, 
don't know how they would always make their way to the front page. So, um, <laughs> so that being said, I'm going to need us to send someone to send us a copy because I'm tired of trying to pull erotica porn off my my devices. So uh, <laughs> we should do that again. No, you know what? Really, other than asking why anybody or who would demand pictures of us in a bathroom, if we talk about Ryan's reading list. What the fuck did he say? He's reading some stuff I've never heard of. The man who mistook his wife for a hat and then some science fiction thing that won uh, that won one of those meaningless awards or something. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what he's reading. Does he not listen to the podcast? We tell him stuff that he could read that's good. He I, I, I just I, I mean, I wasn't paying attention to the titles. I was paying attention to the fact that he's reading three books at the same time. Yeah, I can't do that. No. Yeah. No, no one should. Don't no, do that. And he's going to finish all three of them this week. Yeah, but he's going to before we read another book. Yeah, no kidding. So that's uh, that's Ryan, our marketing intern, who uh, apparently reads more than us, but does not podcast about it. So that that's well, what that's, that's what that's sets that's us apart. Because you know what? Quite honestly, we don't need any more competition. No, um, and we'll get to that in a minute. But before mm-hmm. we move on from Ryan, um, apparently he wasn't super happy. With what I had to say about Game of Thrones. So I did not know about Ryan's love for Game of Thrones. I liked the TV show. I didn't read the books. You know, I, I kind of was leaning into feeling for the the fans who, you know, are going to have the book spoiled by the TV show. Fucking Ryan. <laughs> it, you know what, yeah, at this point, are you able to, to pull up the, the messages that he sent you? That would probably, this would probably be a good time to, 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 to talk about those. Yeah. So, um... So Wednesday, Wednesday of this pa- this past week, um, we're recording on a Sunday. So just a few days ago, uh, shit hit the fan. That must be when he listened to the episode. So Tuesday, you know, we're just talking regular daily life stuff. Wednesday rolls around, 9.13 a.m. You don't like Game of Thrones, question mark? Fuck you, Rob. <laughs> That's how it starts. And then he sends me an, a GIF, and I say GIF, I don't care if people think that's called a GIF, it's a GIF, of what appears to be an ice zombie from Game of Thrones with his arms wide open, and it says, come at me, bro. Followed by another GIF of, it's like a black and white movie, and this guy throws his hands up, and it's hashtag so done. So, right there, I'm getting the message, Ryan's not happy with me. Rolls right on to the next text message. George R.R. Martin. When you make a series, that is a goddamn commitment to finish the series. I hate you, Rob. I paid to see episodes in the theater. The theater, all capitals. That I've already seen. And then he says, to wrap it up, I guess you hate Oxygen and John Mayer, too. Do you hate John Mayer? Because I kind of hate John Mayer. I don't know. He was in that episode of Chappelle show, right? At the Oh, I don't know. I never saw that. Oh, it's pretty good. And Oxygen. That's that that's Oprah's network on yeah. cable, right? Because yeah. I kinda fucking hate that too. I'm not yeah, don't like <laughs> I don't like Oxygen that much really at all. Um three hours later, I texted Ryan back. So, we good? Yeah, and then he drove with you to the fucking kansas or something to so you could buy another bottle of beer or whatever weird shit happened there we had a we 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 did a beer run and rekindled the bromance over some beers it was all good 
I am going to say that I, I find it likely that other people feel um, similarly to Ryan about your your feelings about George R. R. Martin and Game of Thrones. That I don't was, think he is alone. That was the only backlash I heard. That's the only feedback I got for that episode. Yeah. Well, that yeah. I remember. Yeah, that <laughs> I remember. So sometimes people quietly hate. I'm a quiet hater. Oh yeah, that's yeah, so. that's yeah, absolutely. So Ryan and I, Ryan, very pissed. Uh, but I stood my ground. I told him that the show sucks. It does because it does. I'm still, I'm not. Sta- I'm not backing down from that stance. The show is a giant. I mean, like, did you, ever, did you see Jurassic Park? Uh, I saw the first Jurassic. Park. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So you'll 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 get the reference. So they kind of they start going on the tour and they go off. They leave the car and they run down and they find that fucking Triceratops is laying on her side because she's like you know got like pregnant mm-hmm. bubble guts or whatever. Yes. And then they cut to the chick scientist is, like, elbow deep in a giant pile of, like, Triceratops crap. <laughs> That's how much of a pile of shit Game of Thrones is. You went pretty it's, fucking elaborate to come up with that. <laughs> it's that. That's the pile of shit right there. That's, like, that's Game of Thrones. That's how big of a pile of shit it is. Wow. Wow. Well. Well, um, is there anything on TV that, that you like that you're excited about? <laughs> Dude. Let's, let's, go, let's go that route. Oh, I cannot tell you how excited I am. So, uh, Sean Ferguson, love child I, of the show. Hold on, who, hold on a second. That sounds, that sounds familiar. Sean, Sean Ferguson. Ferguson. He's the love child of the show. Sean Ferguson. Oh, I remember that, yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah. We used to okay. mention him almost on an, on an episode by episode basis. Yeah. He used to like call us and yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, well, he went and um, mm-hmm. he went and got married, mm-hmm. which did knocked you... knocked some chick up. Well, yeah, but before yeah. that, uh, did you get an invitation to the wedding? No, I don't. I don't. Hold mm-hmm. on, let me check. No, no, I don't yeah. have an invitation anywhere. I have I have the wedding invitation box. That when they come in, yeah, yeah. I put the invitation so I can find the them. Yeah. It's empty. Yeah. Me too. Uh, my wedding invitation box. Hang on, I'm gonna. Oh, there's just some bottle caps in there from empty beers. No wedding invitations for me either. So, um, but apparently we're not dead to each other because on Facebook the other day he posted a screenshot of his phone and uh, what the screenshot was was a, a announcement that Fox had renewed Scream Queens for a second season and I freaked out. I was so excited about it. That's, I'm excited for you. I, I will be honest. I've seen one episode of Scream Queens. I will probably see the rest of them based on my viewing of episode one. Um, but Fox, can I tell you, and, and I'm excited for you about Scream Queens, and maybe at some point I'll be excited about season two, but Fox, in my little weird little TV viewing world, has really stepped up its game. So let, let's talk about what Fox has done, and some of this will mean stuff to people already, and some of it's already happening, but... They brought back Jack Bauer and 24 after five years, I think, of being off the air, right? And, yeah. and it, like, won awards. It was brilliant, okay? They brought back The X-Files, which comes on in, in a matter of days at this point, right? It's like a week out or something. From, it's fucked up, but yeah. Yeah, like six episodes of X-Files. They have announced that they are renewing 24, but with an all-new cast. I'm going to give that a shot, but just the premise of the show I loved so much that I'm totally, totally down for for um, for more 24. 
Prison Break gets brought back, which was a show I absolutely fucking loved. Okay, where else does this happen? The shows return that have been dead for seven, eight, ten years, right? And, and come back with new episodes. It doesn't. It doesn't I'm, happen. Okay, anymore. on a fucking network that just cancels good shows all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've, there's, there's been some loved ones lost at Fox. I, I, I will give you that. But then... They are re- – so I'm sure you already know. I know you know because we've talked about it off the air. They are rebooting. They're remaking the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <sighs> Hold on a second. They they cast a transgendered woman. As, right. Now as, you got me. This sounds better. Okay. So as Dr. Frankenfurter, which is fucking brilliant. It's, it's a, I, I'm not sure who she – my understanding is she was on – Maybe some reality show about being transgendered or something like that. And I could be wrong. I didn't do a lot of digging in the history. But it's, it's a uh, black woman um, who used to be a man. Maybe he's still part man. I don't know what's going on there. But I thought that was fucking brilliant. Victoria Justice is Janet. Who Do you know who Victoria Justice is? Not by name. Okay, you should look up Victoria Justice. Uh, while you're talking, I'll do it right yeah, now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So she was on like a Nickelodeon show or something. I don't know her from that, but I did watch um, the MTV series Eye Candy, which I really enjoyed. So I'm very excited at the prospect of her being Janet. And just two days ago. Oh, she's pretty. She's adorable. And she's going to, I think she's really going to knock this out of the park. So just two days ago, they announced that Tim Curry is going to be in this rebooted Rocky Horror Picture Show. Hmm. As, for anybody who hasn't heard this, as the criminologist, who is the part-time narrator, he's really more involved at the beginning of the movie than the rest of it, which I think is just fucking wonderful, A, that he agreed to do it, and B, that they even had the, 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 the thought that they should include, like, what to me is one of the more iconic characters in, in like, whatever you want to call it, like a musical comedy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. To include him in this is just brilliant. And I, I don't think he has many days left. He looked rough when I saw him at, like, the 40th, um, <laughs> the 40th Rocky Horror Picture Show, like, anniversary reunion thing they did. Um, like, he's in, like, the little mobile motorized wheelchair, you know. Oh, he's, really? He's, he's, yeah, he's not looking well. So, um, super stupid excited about that. Huh. Fucking Fox, man. Fucking Fox. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, again, still don't like Fox because, in my opinion, they cancel the shit out of shows that need to continue. You're uh, talking about you're talking about the OC, right? I'm talking about Hannibal, man. Wait, that wasn't Fox, but I mean, yeah, I was like, well, it's, it's still Fox's, Fox's fault somehow. Fox's reach is much longer than we. <laughs> <laughs> no, they 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 kill shows all the time. I know Fox kills shows. Uh. Firefly, right? Firefly was one. Picture, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Scream Queens, what up? Season two. And do you know what's coming up? You know what's coming back uh, on, on May 1st? Uh, I don't. Uh, Penny Dreadful season three starts May 1st, buddy. Oh, nice. Has it been? Has it been a year already? Well, I mean, obviously it hasn't because it's not May 1st, but I didn't realize that it's been that long since. I watched it like right after it was over, so I probably watched it in you know, June or whatever. Yeah. I guess it doesn't seem like it's been that long. Yeah, dude. I'm I'm very excited about that, too. That that show has gone in a direction that is a much better direction than I expected they would ever be able to go. Yeah. <laughs> so, Did you see that preview for season three? No, I did not. I think I posted it somewhere, but... Um, I'll look it up. 
but yeah, I, yeah, I did not. Oh, that looks really good. What, what, what kind of monster are we introducing? Is there, is there, are we talking a mummy this time? Um, it's tough to say. Okay. The devil. I think the actual devil shows up this time. Oh, you know what worries me about that? And, and this was a problem that, that I had when Anne Rice did it. It's like, where do you go from there? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, if you're going to go horror, evil, whatever, once you introduce the devil, it's really hard to follow that up with anything. Yeah, that's a good point. So, but, um, you know, that worries me a little bit. Yeah, I don't know about that. But um, American Horror Story just finished that season, season five. Did you watch any of that? I, uh, again, only saw the first episode. Oh, come on, man. What the fuck you been doing? Um, I was a little underimpressed with the first episode. It was like a two-hour thing, I think. Like, the premiere was like a longer episode, right? Or it just Maybe. Like, uh, I don't know. Here's here's what I have to say about this is season five, right? So there was the murder house. Then there was Asylum. Then there was Coven. Then there was Freak Show. And then the there's Hotel. Season. Yeah. Freak Show sucked. Mm-hmm. Hotel, unhesitating in saying that is by far my favorite season. And in the last two episodes, there was a point where I cried. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a bitch. Yeah. Like a bitch. Like a bitch. I'm like a um, bitch. I- I'm going to watch it. I'm probably going to piecemeal that out over the next couple of weeks. Maybe my going to bed TV show kind of, you know. Shit's amazing. You like Lady Gaga in a thong? Because there's plenty of that. All I know is that the most horrifying thing about that is that woman's face is very, very um, (laughs) distressing and makes me uncomfortable. She got a booty. She does have a booty. But see, the problem is she turns around sometimes. And and, and I think I think I think a butter face is. is, is, um, (laughs) You just called Lady Gaga a butter face. I'm sure I'm not the first. Uh, All I'm saying, by far, best season of American Horror Story yet. Oh, cool. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching the, the rest of it. Um, based solely on your recommendation, to be honest, because from watching the first episode, I was a little lukewarm. It takes a little time to warm up, but like the second half of the season is just rock solid all the way through. Very cool. Yeah. Speaking of horrors. Horrors? Horrors. Okay. Horrors. Sorry, it's my speech impediment creeping up on me. Um, it's that time of the year again. Oh, this is, yeah, yeah. This is Horror Awards um, are up and open for voting. I'm not sure when the deadline is, but let's not wait till the deadline. The here's, here's what occurred to me. Okay, so we've got uh, eight days. So it is a call to action for, <laughs> for book podcast listeners. Um, we, again, very graciously by, um, I'm assuming by listeners of this podcast, were nominated for um, Podcast of the Year. It occurred to me. And I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way because I have been and, and will continue to be honored if we win this award again. But it occurred to me the other day that it, it's not that I really care that we win. <laughs> but the fucking thought of being beat by somebody is, is making me fucking crazy. <laughs> you, you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I'd love to win. That'd be great. Eh, if we didn't win, it would be okay. But if we didn't win, that means somebody beat us. And that's not fucking, that's just not acceptable. Here, okay, well, here's the thing. I've been thinking about this recently because, like, we talk a lot about horror and we care a lot about horror, right? So we definitely qualify for this. And we should win. But I we got some good competition this year, man. Yeah. 
two of the fucking other podcasts have horror in the fucking title. That's my first concern. <laughs> horrored. 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 We are we are changing the name, at least temporarily, of the podcast to Horrored to better qualify <laughs> for this. So here is I was talking to Rob before the podcast, and I called him our opponents, and I realized I was very antagonistic, and then I realized that that's exactly how I feel about You really, this. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, and I'm with you because, like, it's not the elation of winning as much as it is the sting of losing. That's, yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. So please, please, listeners, just, just send an email. You, you, if you want to vote for other categories, Rob even put together the book ticket with recommendations in the other categories. Yeah. You don't even have to just send in. Just, <laughs> all you have to do is just put in podcast of the year, book podcast. You don't I'm have done. to put in a second. Don't no, listen. They'll still count it. The, the secondary vote is in case there's a tie. Let's not let's let's make it so they don't have to count the extra votes for a tie. Let's just make it so we win by one. I don't even need to win by a landslide. Yeah. One person. One person. That's all it takes. That person could be you. So get on it. Um, Rob has posted in the book podcast listening group and on the book podcast webpage. The directions. They're also available at thisishorror.co.uk slash awards. If you just search for this is horror, at least in my browsing history or whatever, it comes up with the awards having its own link. You know, I'll do like the title to a page and then sub pages. Yep. On Google. You just click there, follow the directions. Um, let's let's talk about who the other podcasts are. And I'll be honest with you, I have some familiarity with two of these, although I'm not a regular listener. Um, the Armcast podcast, which is uh, Armand Rosamelia's podcast, who was a guest of this show. It's got to be two years ago. It was the uh, Books for Troops yeah. thing that he still does. We yeah. talked to him about that. There's dude. Hor- Horror News Radio. Not familiar with them. No, I'm not. The Horror Show with Brian Keene. So here's here's where I think our biggest competition is. Mm-hmm. It says The Horror Show in it. Yep. And then it names one of the better known um, horror writers, maybe extreme horror. I don't know if I'd go, you know what I mean? But there's a big name in horror. Yeah. So um, we don't have a big name. (laughs) We're a a big name at this is horror. (laughs) Yeah. So so there's that. There's the last knock, which is a very, very ominous sounding podcast. I will give credit for having a great title and the outer dark, which sounds like maybe it's science fiction. So it's clearly, Clearly, you should not vote for them because they might be science fiction. Right. Come on. We, we all right. know. Right. And we all know that's just bullshit. Yeah. So um, those are They're the, probably nice guys, though. Those are the the opponents <laughs> in this. What would we call them? What would they're, they're the I mean, they're the competition, right? I guess. Yeah. OK. The opponents. Um, and, and again, guys, it's not about winning. It's about not losing. Yeah. Well, we did take runner up. Um for the 2013 podcast of the year, but we did win an award. So we still were winners that year. And, and, and I mean, I don't, maybe not enough time has gone by. Maybe I won't say anything. <laughs> oh, oh man, you took it to that place. All right, let's talk about the other awards. Okay. Um, but there are some uh, friends of the podcast in, in other categories. And, and I put together a little, graphic with the uh the booked ticket so we're not going to talk about everything but i think we're going to hit the high points novel of the year um two books that we've reviewed on the podcast uh 
show up on the list, Headful of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay, which we unanimously named book's best book of 2015, uh, and Skullcrack City, which made our top three. So those two books are novel of the year. Of course, we're recommending both of those. Um, leaning a little heavier on Headful of Ghosts, but Skullcrack was a damn good book. Indeed it was. Um, and definitely, definitely deserves some recognition. Um, we have no no horses in the novella of the year race as we read zero novellas. And I'm not even, I'm only familiar with one or two names on the list just mm-hmm. in general as like being aware of them as people. Mm-hmm. Um, short story collection of the year also has no, <laughs> we, have, we have no love for anybody in that category either. So. Uh, at least nobody that's yeah I, I, there's nobody we've ever done anything with or reviewed so right we have never read any of those books but anthology of the year um as as we may have mentioned earlier in this podcast richard thomas is a, a good and dear friend to the show um exigencies a neo-noir anthology is nominated and is on the booked ticket for um if you need, if you just don't know, but you want to vote for someone, then we're, we're going to ask you to vote for that. Yeah. I keep seeing that Cthulhu Fatang or whatever it is popping up on Facebook. I'm friends mm-hmm. with Ross Lockhart, which is on the anthology of the mm-hmm. year. Yep. Um, that keeps popping up. And I'm like, oh, man, I completely recognize that. But uh, Richard Thomas gets our endorsement for sure. He does. Um, Fiction Magazine of the Year. I don't know. I can't see anything that beats Cemetery mm-hmm. Dance. Yeah. Um, although we don't endorse Cemetery Dance in any way. Publisher of the Year. Um, I don't, I don't, um, I think it was, you did uh, Dark House and Cheesine. Yeah. Um, with which, uh, again, Dark House is Richard Thomas, um, and we love Richard, as we, we may have mentioned once or twice. Um, and Cheesine, um, we've read some really good stuff by Cheesine. Most, uh, most recently, the, um, oh, God damn it, Rob, what's it called? I can't be expected to remember things from three weeks ago. What are you even talking about? Existential film. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, which is really great. And um, I'll be honest, it, it came out last year, so I don't know if that, that is eligible for the 2016 awards, but I, I may nominate that. I really like that book a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Film of the year, this is where it gets rough. On the official book ticket, I put Starry Eyes and Spring. Starry Eyes because Livius and I both really enjoyed it, and Spring mm-hmm. because Livius won't shut up about it, but... There's other stuff on there as well. Yeah, so It Follows. Um, I was a huge fan of It Follows, and I can't believe Rob hasn't seen this. And, and I really liked what we do in The Shadows, but I, I don't know if it falls in a horror. It's more slapsticky comedy. Yeah. So I don't I mean, you know, nominees are nominees. Here, here's the whole thing. It fits in that category of, of horror film of the year as well as we fit in as horror <laughs> podcast of the year. Because so, it's, it's also got a vampire and some humor, so whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. legit. Um, TV show of the year, there's a lot going on here. American Horror Story Freak Show. Much as I love American Horror Story, Freak Show kind of sucked. My endorsement, uh, wholeheartedly, and I, I struggled with this. Hannibal Season 3, then Penny Dreadful Season 2. But Penny Dreadful Season 2 was so good mm-hmm. that it was very difficult for me to choose Hannibal at the top. Well, but here's here's the thing, and, and I'm not going to argue with you about this for this reason. Um, Hannibal does not have an opportunity to win an award next year because it's been canceled. Yeah, it's a good point. Penny Dreadful is going to be fucking taking it home every year after this. So Correct. So, um, And yeah, I'm, I'm questioning the American Horror Story Freak Show. I mean, it, again, it has horror in the fucking title, so should it be <laughs> nominated? Yes. But Freak Show was just bad. 
Yeah, Freak Show was not, and and <sighs> I hate to say this because she's in a she's a phenomenal actress, but I think that Jessica Lang was bringing the show down. Like, this is the first season. Oh, my little Wendigo figure, my little pop vinyl Wendigo, just fell over because I was started started talking about American Horror Story and not Hannibal. I think. Um, this is the first, uh, Hotel's the first season without Jessica Lang, and, uh, man, it's just different. There's a different vibe to it, and it just, it's a, it's a more vital, there's a more, like, vitality to the story, so. I hate to say it, because I think Jessica Lang's amazing, but I just don't know if she fits in. So, kind of nice that she wasn't in, uh, Hotel. They could bring I, up. They could bring back that sexy nun, though. She was. She was can something. be in everything. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna agree with you there. <laughs> um, and then artist of the year. Um, again, not a lot of familiarity here, but Joey Hi-Fi, um, who Rob had to remind me, um, did the covers for the for the Wendig books. And there's got to be some typo because we're not we're not listed under artist of the year. There's got to be. So write write us in when you're voting. Write us in for artist of the year. Because we're artists, we mentioned this on a previous episode, mm-hmm. as well as for podcast of the year. Yes, I'm. I'm going to agree. I mean, and I don't know why people wouldn't consider what we do art. It's art. It's, it's absolutely art. It's art. It's art that we can go an hour and forty ish minutes <laughs> in an episode. <laughs> you try doing it. It's not as easy as yeah. you think. Um, so I think that yeah, I think we probably need to wrap it up. <laughs> um, Rob and I are going to go and decide on what we're doing next week. Uh, probably a book review if we come up with a book to review by then. Um, and uh, if not, then I don't know. Maybe it'll be erotica or <laughs> just us talking about hoping that you voted for us. Yeah, because <laughs> it'll be too late to beg yeah. for your votes by then. Yeah, exactly. So um, we will uh, we will look forward um, to to seeing those results and and hoping that you guys can um, all take a minute um, and make Livius really happy by um, sending in your vote for booked for the This Is Horror Awards. That's right. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Join us next week for something. Hopefully a review. Until then, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snudden. Keep reading.